Good morning, North Point family, and good morning to you who have joined us online this morning. We are soon coming to the end of our sermon series title, Psalms for the Summer, largely because summer is coming to a foreseeable end. Now, I hate to be a bearer of sad news, but summer officially ends September 22nd, which is fast approaching. The good news is that we are moving into a new series as we start in-person gatherings on September the 5th at Glacier Ridge. You can find more information about this by going to mpcalgary.ca. As we approach the fall months, we may have questionable thoughts about what is in store for us, not just as a family, but as a church family. As we take our Bibles and return to Psalm 27, we are encouraged to approach the fall months praising God as we continue to place our confidence in Him. So starting at verse 1, we read, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom? Shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle, and set me high upon the rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me, at his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. And though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. It is a common belief among many Bible scholars that David wrote Psalm 27 when King Saul was trying to chase him down to kill him. If we had time to look into the story of David's quandary with King Saul, we would discover 
that all David had done was play his harp before the king. David would play beautiful music, and the Spirit of God would calm Saul when he became anxious and depressed. Now, you would think that Saul would be pleased with David. However, there was a reason for Saul's displeasure. The issue or problem with David was that he was chosen and anointed by God to be king. And deep down in Saul's heart, he knew it. Saul knew that he had been rejected by God because of his disobedience and that David was appointed by God to succeed him as king. As one writer says, this made Saul's anger go through the roof and he pursued David like a wild animal. It became so dangerous for David that he had to hide in deserts and caves as he moved from place to place. It is in this setting that David is believed to have written Psalm 27. Although Psalm 27 appears to read as a desperate cry for help, Psalm 27 is prefaced with a declaration of praise. For we read David saying in verse 1 and 2, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And when the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. You may have noticed when reading on in verse 3, that the psalmist David moves from a declaration of praise to a mood of uncertainty. For he says, though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. And though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. I don't know if this has been the case with you, but I have been accused uh, many times of talking to myself. And the truth be known, I do talk to myself. There are times when I will say, come on, Tim, you can do this. Or it's okay, Tim, what you're facing right now is, is, is an opportunity and we're close. In other words, there's something that I can learn from the difficulty that I'm facing. Friends, this is what is taking place in verse three. David is talking to himself. He is actually attempting to convince himself that he is not going to be afraid, that he will be optimistic. Now, this is an interesting observation to make because verses 1 to 3 teaches us that praise lives and breathes in the midst of our fears and uncertainties. When David declares, my heart shall not fear, David is not implying that he, nor us for that matter, are entirely free of fear when we praise God. To think so would mean that we are in denial or that we are detached from the reality of our situation. According to verse 2, David was very much aware 
of the danger he was in. For we read David saying that the wicked were coming after him. He also informs us in verse 3 that there was not just one or two who were after him, but a whole army was out to get him. Now imagine if you can. David looking out from his place of hiding to see campfires lit across the desert sands like the stars on a clear night. Think about what it would have been like for David to hear each night the enemy's trumpet, not knowing whether they are sounding their attack or they are merely toying with his emotions just to put him on edge. I need for us to pause here for a moment to think about our fears. What fears surround you, plague you at night, threats that trumpet their charge against you while putting you on edge? As we give some thought to my question, I need to remind us that there are really two kinds of fears, and they are quite different, though it is often hard to distinguish between them because they get all wrapped up in each other. First, there are the real fears, as when David has an enemy camped around him or when you are in the midst of a pandemic. These are real fears. But there is also a kind of fear that is not real, and yet it holds some kind of power over us. It's not attached to a, a specific threat that we encounter, but rather the unpredictable often associated with the unforeseeable. I have come to discover over the years that the unpredictable and generalized fear has the power to make us less than who God wants us to be. It, it can rob us of respect and courage and make us act in ways that are not worthy of who we really are as followers of Jesus. Let's take this a step further and bring it closer to home. We may have some uncertainty or fear about who our next lead pastor will be. There may be mixed feelings about the lead team's decision. Their choice can stir up a lot of the second kind of fear, the unnamed and unknown fears about our future. And yet the psalmist encourages us this morning to continue to praise God in the midst of our fears and uncertainties. The psalmist David continues in verses 4 to 6 to teach us by his own example that to praise God in the midst of our fears and uncertainties is an act of our will in surrender to God. We read, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted 
above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred camp, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the, to the Lord. Friends, it takes a willingness on our part to surrender our desires, wants, even what we believe is best for our life situations to God. Now, as most, if not all of us know, the word surrender is a battle term. It implies giving up all rights to the conqueror. When an army surrenders, they lay down their arms and the opposing army takes control from then on. There are strong implications of surrender on David's part when he says in verse 4, one thing, one thing I ask from the Lord. Now, notice that David doesn't surrender to his enemy. He surrenders himself to God. David chooses to give up all rights on his part. He chooses to give God full control of the outcome, which we will look at more closely when we delve into verses 4 to 6. If you were like me, you tend to give things to God, only to take them back again. We know that the Lord is telling us to let go and give him everything when every emotion in us tells us that this is not what's best. Although we really want to let go and let God be in control, we find it incredibly difficult to give up the fight. Friends, it is no small decision for an army to surrender to their opponent. Something David would be well versed in, having fought many battles himself. And David was not someone who surrendered easily. David fought to win, and winning did not mean surrendering. This is no less true for many of us this morning. Now, I'm not being judgmental or critical when I say this. We believe we know best. And some of us will go to great lengths to convince our spouse, family member, employer, employee, church member, or friend to see things our way. So when it comes to surrendering to God, it's extremely difficult. And yet David, a warrior at heart, chooses to surrender his will over to God totally and completely. How? How did David actually let go and let God be in control? Now, this is a question that I ask myself while reflecting on our passage. And the answer is found in the latter part of verse 4, on through to verse 6, when David says, This only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, and to seek him in his temple. David was able to let go and let God have full control of his situation by turning to God as his beloved, and not as his provider. In other words, David didn't turn to God to defeat his enemy. Although I'm sure 
that this still lingered in the back of David's mind. David would have us understand that he turned to God to be enveloped by his love. Friends, when we surrender to God as our beloved, and not as someone who works things out our way, God steps into our trials in a fresh way, and he breathes new life into us. We discover this to be the case with the psalmist David. We read David saying in verse 6, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Friends, the psalmist David teaches us to praise God in the midst of our fears and uncertainties. To praise God in the midst of our fears and uncertainties is an act of the will in surrender to God as we wait. For we read the psalmist David saying in verse 14, Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Now, I had hoped that we would have time to expound more on verses 7 to 14, in which we find David crying out to God for help. However, David's cry for help was for courage and strength as he waited on God and focused his attention on God himself. Did you get that? David's cry for help was not even so much to defeat his enemies. His cry for help was for courage and strength as he waited on God and focused his attention on God himself. Returning to verse, verse 14, I thought that I would sum up this morning's message by presenting an invitation for us to come before the Lord with our fears, our uncertainties, and praise God in song, as David does in verse 1. There is something to be said about how God shows up when we praise him. David found comfort in praising God. So why not take your favorite hymns or choruses or both and start singing to the Lord? And as you are singing to the Lord, surrender your will to Him. Give over your desired outcome and your agenda. I know it's not easy, but do it and replace it with a focus on God Himself. And allow God to breathe new life into you. Allow Him to replace your fears and uncertainties with His courage and with his strength. Let's pray. Father God, this is a tough message from your word. It's an encouraging, inspiring message, but it's a tough one. All of us, to some extent, know what it's like to be fearful. Fears that are real because of the situations we are going through, and fears that are more, well, 
they're played out in our mind. It often has to do with the what-ifs that lie ahead. Well, whatever our fears might be, I ask you that in these coming days, oh, Father God, through your Holy Spirit, would you encourage us to get our focus on you, not so that you will fulfill our agenda so we can overcome these fears, but rather so that we can experience you breathing new life into us that gives us strength and courage in the midst of whatever we are going through. David gives us such a clear example of this. And it's not just a story, it's a reality that can become our reality. If we will take your word to heart and put into practice what Psalms 27 teaches us this morning. And so I commit our North Point family to you today. I commit those who have joined us online. Oh, Father God, in the days that yet lie ahead, may we, we be reminded about this important message from you out of Psalm 27. And may our lives become an example like David to others around us so that we can be an encouragement to one another. In Jesus' name, amen.